the Warriors, please. I have a lot of respect for Steph Curry, but they're not making it to the finals. I'm sorry, they're just not. back to the Getting Buckets podcast. I'm Ethan. And I'm Jordan. And the Los Angeles Lakers are the 2020 NBA champions, just as I predicted before the bubble started. And it feels pretty good to be vindicated because, you know, it was a pretty interesting playoffs, especially in the East. And we'll talk about that in a second. But first, let's just talk about the Lakers because what an incredible story for the Lakers. Obviously, Kobe Bryant passed away in the beginning of the year, and it was left a really sour taste in a lot of Lakers fans and even every NBA fan's mouth. And I think that it was really important for the Lakers to win this championship and commemorate in commemoration of Kobe, and they did it. And LeBron James played one of the best finals of his career. He averaged 28, 11, and 9 on 59% shooting, which was a career finals high which is incredible. And he won the MVP too. He definitely deserved it. AD was right there with him also. Averaged 25, 12, and 3 assists on 62.5% shooting, which is incredible. Also, he also could have won the MVP, but LeBron was clearly the MVP in my eyes. So, Jordan, what do you think about the Lakers and LeBron? Yeah, I just wanted to touch on what you said earlier about Kobe like obviously that was so tough for everyone to go through back in January it feels like with everything that's happened in this past year that that was like five six years ago with how slow everything was back in like March and April but this was just such an incredible Lakers team to watch how many great stories they have on their roster between like LeBron and Anthony Davis like everyone said LeBron was you know slowly getting more and more like like he he was he was falling behind like he was losing a step, and obviously he came back and washed King. He showed up. Uh, JaVale McGee, who a lot of people, you know, back in his Washington days, he was on Shaq and a Fool a lot, and he was called a clown and idiot all the time. Guys like Contavious Caldwell-Pope, who was in Detroit and really didn't perform all that well, and he was a clutch client that people thought LeBron just brought to be a buddy in L.A. Uh, someone like Dwight Howard, who was going to get – you know, people said he was going to be out of the league in a couple of years, and people were shocked that the Lakers signed him over someone like a Joakim Noah, which was pretty surprising to me because Dwight Howard's still a very skilled player. Rajon Rondo, who a lot of people thought was done as well. You know, someone like uh, Deion Waiters, who the Heat gave up on because of some issues in the locker room and with uh, those weed gummies. J.R. Smith who was also out of the league for a year and a half after leaving Cleveland. I think there's just there's so many terrific stories on this Lakers team and to see a group like that come together and bring home a championship. And it was such a tough year for, like you said, not only Lakers fans, but NBA fans and just people around the world. Like everyone knew who Kobe Bryant was and to see them put on a performance like this and just completely dominate defensively in that game six and take the heat out in six was, was really awesome to see. Yeah, and obviously the Heat played fantastic too. I mean, they were not supposed to be in the finals. They were not predicted to be in the finals. They were 75 to 1 odds to make the NBA finals, and they made it from pure heart, and they had amazing team chemistry, and the pieces just fit really well together. 
Jimmy Butler, in my opinion, elevated from an all-star type of player to a superstar player. He had two insane triple-doubles, which single-handedly won those two games that the Miami Heat won against the Lakers. They would have not won that game if he had not performed that well. So the Heat will be back. If they get another couple of pieces, if they get another piece, they can easily come back to the NBA Finals next year. But, I mean, obviously the Heat did lose Goran Dragic in Game 1. Bam Adebayo got injured in Game 1 and wasn't really the same when he came back in the series. So, I mean, obviously the Lakers did have a little bit of breaks in the Finals, but LeBron has had plenty of other breaks in his career, you know, 26, not 2016, 2015 against the Warriors when Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving both got hurt in the finals. Or even when he went against the Spurs the second time, Dwayne Wade got hurt. And he wasn't the same in that series either. So LeBron has had some bad breaks in the finals. So it was, I guess, I don't know it was good, but I mean, it helped him out a little bit. But it's still a championship's a championship. And, you know, all the doubters that said that he's washed, as Jordan pointed out before, he just shut them all up. And, you know, he's still the best player in the world. And at age 36 almost, that's incredible. Nobody has ever played at the level that LeBron James has played this far into his career. Yeah, and I, I think it wouldn't be surprising if we're saying two, three years from now that he's that he's still the best player in the world because his basketball IQ, you can see, like I said, he's lost, maybe lost a step athletically, but his IQ has just gone up over the last few years and just how he understands the game and how he can just bully his way into the paint now and not rely as much on his athleticism, even though he's still a super athletic person, but relative to like 20. 12 2013 LeBron it's just amazing to see how he's adapted his game to the today's NBA you know he became a much better three-point shooter over the last couple of years he's just he's so much crisper moving the ball he and I think to have someone like Anthony Davis he's never this is not like throwing shade at Dwayne Wade or anything but I think this is the most talented teammate he's had in, in his entire career just watching the way AD can move around for someone his size he can shoot from outside he can you know his playmaking needs some improvement but it's still for his for a guy like him it's it's impressive what he can do to and he's just scratching the surface of what the kind of player he can be as well he's 27 years old i think that's crazy and, he's 27 this yeah and you could you could argue that you know a lot of people wanted to see him win defensive player of the year but i think anthony davis is, he'll take the championship over the depoy any day of the week but he was just—he was a monster defensively in the series. The way after Jimmy Butler had his historic performance in Game Three, AD went to the Lakers coaches and told them, "I'm staying on Jimmy. Give me him. I'm going to—I'm going to be glued to him the entire game." And he completely locked him down. And just the entire series, he was swallowing—you know—everything in the paint. He was Kendrick Nunn Game Six. I felt bad for him honestly, just seeing how many shots at the rim he had rejected and seeing how Jimmy Butler was just—you know—part of it was him being gassed from that those 47 minutes he played in game five, but just seeing the way they completely stopped him, Bam Adebayo didn't really have a great game either. He put up some decent stats, but the numbers, how, how do I put it? Like the, the, the numbers weren't, didn't really match the performance. It was just, it was so impressive to see what Anthony Davis can do. And to have a teammate like that is, is, is terrific for LeBron. I think it wouldn't be surprising at all if they won another championship within the next year or two. I agree, and as you mentioned before, there's so many great stories with the Lakers team, and you know, even the one that may get swept under the rug is Coach uh, Frank Vogel. You know, there was a lot of criticism when he got hired because of how it ended in Indiana and how it ended in Orlando, especially in Orlando, because they were a very bad team when he was there. And he comes here, and 
I think he should get a lot of credit because he really instilled a defensive mindset into this team that really helped them become an elite defensive team and really helped them win this title. Yeah, I think, you know, something that, you know, when he was coaching those Indiana teams led by Paul George and David West and Roy Hibbert and those boys, like what he prided those teams on were defense. And it was the same story with this Lakers team this past year. They were one of the best defensive teams in the entire league. If you look at the finals, you know, guys like Anthony Davis, like I said, LeBron was terrific defensively. Danny Green was also really good, even though he obviously got clowned for that shot he missed in game five. Um, Alex Crusoe, terrific defender. Rondo stepped up his defense. Like they were just, they're on such a different level defensively. And I think just having Anthony Davis and LeBron and people put a lot of flack on those sporting casts, but it was really impressive to see how much they prided themselves on defense. Yeah, and me and Matt in a past episode discussed what this title could mean for LeBron's legacy. And just to reiterate it, I said before that if he wins it, I think he would be the GOAT. And right now, I do think he's the GOAT because obviously you, you can't argue against Michael Jordan's 13 years in Chicago where he dominated the league. But, you know, LeBron didn't win as many titles, hasn't won as many titles as Michael Jordan yet, but just the longevity and how long he's been able to stay at an elite level and win titles in really three stages in his career is just so impressive to me. And that's why, to me, he's the greatest of all time. Yeah, I I totally agree. And one thing I wanted to point out was how this title means to me you know people like to put an asterisk next to it i see some trolls on twitter or whatever but you know talking about how this is a fake ring and it's like three six and one how it's just it's not legit but to me this is this is an asterisk but not in that way it's it's an asterisk because it's even more legit than a normal nba title not even because of what was going on in the world in terms of the pandemic but you know just social justice issues how much that affected the players you saw in the first round of the playoffs, the Milwaukee Bucks, how they boycotted the games. Some of the Lakers players were even voting to go home in the first round. And it was that, that was probably really tough on them, especially knowing they were in a bubble and they couldn't go out and protest and do what they truly wanted to. But they stayed in there because they knew their voices could be heard in post-game interviews and pre-game stuff like that. So that was just, to me, the whole effect of the season and not and you know like we talked about before Kobe Bryant the death you know that really put a burden on their entire team that they had to go you know it, they knew they had to go get one for the city like they that was so tough on them mentally too because so many of them were good friends with Kobe you know he he was hanging out with a lot with Anthony Davis in 2012 Olympics when AD was a rookie LeBron and Kobe obviously had a very close relationship Rondo and Kobe, all those guys, Dwight obviously played with him. They didn't really get along when they were playing, but they had a good relationship after. So just all of that together, I think this championship means so much more than normal years. Yeah, I definitely agree. And, you know, for people like AD, I mean, legacy-wise, this definitely propels him up to another level now that he's a champion. Uh, it doesn't really do so much for Dwight Howard because, hey, I think he already would have been a first ballot Hall of Famer, and he already is, and he won the championship. I don't think that helps his case that much. But I think this definitely helps John Rondo go into the Hall of Fame because he was the third best player on this team and they needed him in the playoffs too. So, Dude, it, it was crazy with Rondo because I remember earlier in the year, so many people, so many Lakers fans were calling for his head. They wanted to cut him and because he was not only was he dog shit on defense, he just like he's he wasn't defending and he was almost a zero on offense. 
So that was really tough to watch. And to see him step up his game when it matters most and the way he just... I, I remember game two of the 2012 Eastern Conference Finals against the Heat. He had like some a legendary performance. I believe it was 44 points and 10 assists, something like that. It was it was ridiculous numbers he put up. And obviously not to the same extent, but that game six that he had, he was just getting to the rim at such a uh, like terrific level. He was finishing. It, it was so much fun to watch him. And it was he was undoubtedly the third best player. And, you know, you could talk about KCP and the performance he had in game five. You could talk about you know, uh, Alex Caruso and how much he brings on defense and Markeith Morris hitting some clutch threes for them. But Rondo was there, was easily their third best player in the court. And to, you know, bring me back to those early days when like prime Rondo was like, considered like a top five point guard in the league by some, that was, that, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was really fun to watch. And I want to ask you this question now, because do you think that this is an all time great NBA team? All time in terms of, you know, teams that won championships, I, I don't know just because this team was so top-heavy where, you know, if we're talking about, like, the, the top guys, I think LeBron and AD can, even though it's their first year, they can be one of the best duos ever, if, especially if they win a couple more championships. But just the, I think defensively, this is one of the best teams you'll ever see. Like, this was – they just completely locked up everybody. And – me like you know I I love watching defensive battles I the offense is great but I love watching those like you know 80s 90s style of basketball where it's just like a 88 to like 94 win or like stuff like that where it just it's like low scoring games with lots of defense and the Lakers remind me of that kind of team who can just completely lock you up I think the Heat had 36 points in the first half which you never see in today's NBA and that that to me I I don't know I wouldn't put them in you know greatest teams ever i think even like lebron himself had you know, with those miami teams those are probably better top to bottom but in terms of defense yeah i think this was this was a really special group yeah and just to look ahead to next season now do you think that lebron will be the best player in the world next season do because he will be 36 years old oh yeah definitely be just just for like the reasons i said before about how smart he's become and like how much more polished he is and how he can get to the rim he he posts up more i think i, th- I believe he finished at the rim at a 70% rate in the nba finals which is just ridiculous like to get to the rim at that point um you know we spoke about how he shot 59% field goal which is a career high for him in the finals he shot 64.6% on twos which was the highest field goal percentage on twos in NBA playoff history as a 35-year-old in his 17th year in the league. Like, that's that's pretty freaking incredible. And the previous mark was actually 62.5% by LeBron in 2017. So it just shows you how much of a legendary playoff performer he was to bring you back to the GOAT conversation with MJ and LeBron. Just how much LeBron steps up his game in the playoffs where people talk about how he doesn't really... Like, he'll sometimes coast through the regular season... And then he just he takes it to another level in not well it's not May and June this time obviously because of COVID but the way he can step up in those big moments to me that's I I, I think he's going to be the best in the league for at least another two years. This is what I think. I think he'll definitely start the season as the best player in the world because the next one when is next season going to start like February or Something January? Like that. Yeah. So it's going to be about three or four months. So he'll definitely start the season the best player in the world. I don't want to count against LeBron, but he's going to like be going on going on 37 towards the end of the season. 
and we've never just never seen this level of production. Like I, I don't want to count against him, but I just don't know what we're gonna see. I, I want to believe that he still will be, and it'll be very cool to see if he will be, still will be, the best player in the world. I, I, I just think I think that not only because of the things I said before, but I, I like to compare it sometimes to, uh, football with Tom Brady. How just people continuously want to say this, they want to have the hot takes out there before everyone else saying this year is the year LeBron finally falls off. This year is the year. Like, no, it's going to be this year, this year. Like, Brady is the same way. People continuously count him out. And, you know, he takes just such good care of his body like LeBron does. And he just – his football IQ goes up just like LeBron's basketball IQ. And they continuously – like, I don't know if Brady's the best player in the NFL anymore. Probably not. But just the way he – he was probably up until his age 40 season, he was the best. And I think I could see LeBron doing something like that where at 38, 39, he's still the best just because of how much he takes care of his body and how much he's adapted his style to today's NBA. Yeah, obviously, like you said, like LeBron, Tom Brady, they're not just going to like fall off a cliff. Like their level of production, like as they get older, won't be the same, but they're not going to be trash. They're not going to be garbage. Yeah, LeBron James I, I just, is definitely I, not going to be garbage ever. So I don't know how long he's going to be the alpha on a championship team level kind of good. Like that might go away after like two years, but even even you know when he's in his final year, hopefully playing with LeBron James Jr., which would be pretty cool to see playing with Bronny. I think he'll he'll retire a good player. Like he'll still he'll be good until the day he retires. Michael Jordan was still a good player when he was playing with the Wizards, but his body just he he gave up. He was tired of it. And he didn't Kobe play it for like three years too. Yeah, like but he was still a good player. Like he just wasn't that alpha level championship player. And the same thing with Kobe. Like he just. He was really, still really good. He put up 60 in his last game. I mean, who does that? Like, he was still a really good player, but LeBron will always just be a terrific. He, he could probably play until he's 50, but he realistically saying he can play until his 44, age 41 season, I, I don't think that's out of the question at all. So, you definitely think the Lakers are going to re- repeat next year? I, I wouldn't say definitely, just because uh, this offseason is going to be so strange with how teams manage their payroll due to the pandemic. Like there a lot of teams are probably going to be cutting salary and doing short-term deals and stuff like that. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily put them as a lock to repeat, but I think they, as of right now, they should be the favorites. Definitely. I think the Lakers will repeat. I think they're going to beat my Brooklyn Nets in the finals. It's going to be heartbreaking, but I guess I I think it's going to happen. Um, the Clippers, no, they're not getting, They're not doing anything. There's rumors that Paul George is going to get traded. Uh, I would love to see that. I need some drama this offseason. The Bucks, unless they get an elite point guard, I don't see them doing anything either. The Heat are a piece away still. The Celtics definitely have a shot to make it to the NBA Finals. The Warriors, please. I have a lot of respect for Steph Curry, but they're not making it to the Finals. I'm sorry. They're just not. They're, they Listen. have... They, they don't Listen, have man, they, they have, don't have the bench. They have nobody on their bench. They, they have so so now that they you know, I mean the Wiggins contract definitely hurts them. Like they're taking on a lot of salary with that. But you know, Steph and Clay basically have what, a year and a half off by the Dude, time they January have, rolls around. They have bums on their bench. They have like I know, but just those, it's it's the same thing with the Lakers. Like, you know, we talk about how they have two terrific players and the rest is like, you know, they're good, but they're not like definitely you know, like, not the same though. Just Steph and Clay alone, they can like elevate a team to like getting to the conference finals. I think and they're going to be a good team, but I don't think they're going to be finals or championship um, worthy. I just don't think you, that. you can't forget that they also have the number two pick, and you don't know what they're going to do with that. 
That's true. I just, my opinion, I just don't think they're going to be a finals team. I think yeah, they're going to yeah, be a good that's team. What, that's why I'm not, you know, I don't, I'm not crazy about doing like too many predictions on, I, lo- I, lo- I love doing offseason previews, but, you know, predictions, I like to wait until a couple weeks before the season starts because you don't know how rosters are going to look, how the Warriors, if we're talking about them, how they're going to, if they're going to take a young player with the number two pick, like a Denny Abdia or a James Wiseman, and just plug them in right away, or if they're going to develop them for a couple of months before just plugging them into the lineup, or if they're going to use that piece to trade for like a win-now player. Like, you know, I, I don't even know who they would trade for in that situation. Maybe like someone like a Nikola Vucevic. Like, I've heard that's rumored somewhere. Some people want them to go after Mitchell Robinson. Like, I, I don't know what what kind of player they would they would get in that situation, but I think the Warriors will be right back in that mix. I think the Nets, like you said, there's, you know, Kyrie and Katie are kind of weirdos, but they're just so gifted, like, uh, like t- offensively that I think they can, no matter what happens in that locker room, they can take a team deep into the playoffs. Celtics, Jason Tatum, is, is like, you know, he's getting to that level of superstardom. You know, we don't know what's going to happen with the Mavericks, but Luka Doncic finished fourth in MVP voting in his second year. That was, like, incredible to see. Who knows how much of a step up he can take his game. Hopefully... Chris Dasperzingis can play a full season and deep into the playoffs. Like there, there's going to be a lot of teams in the mix next year for, for for a title, and the Lakers are going to have a lot of challengers. And going back to the Lakers, how do you think they could get better? Do you think there's any moves that they can make right now to maybe add another player to their team? So, if you're just looking right now at who they have on their roster once the offseason begins, they have LeBron, Danny Green. Alex Caruso, Kyle Kuzma, and Taylor Horton, Horton Tucker. Obviously, Anthony Davis is like a near lock to sign an extension with them the day free agency starts. I think Rajon Rondo spoke today about how he's expecting to opt out of his contract. Avery Bradley has a $5 million team option. JaVale McGee has a, has a player option. And a, bu- a bunch of those other guys all have options, except for like, you know, like, like the guys I mentioned before, but... There's a couple of pieces out there I think they could trade for. I don't know if they have the cap room to go after someone like a Chris Paul just because of how much Anthony Davis is going to get paid and that LeBron is on the books for $39 million next year. So they probably won't have the room to go after a guy like that. And they also have Danny Green on the books for $15.3 million next year. So they're already there's going to be so much cap room meeting. I don't know how much payroll flexibility they're going to have, but one guy that stands out to me is probably Victor Oladipo who is an expiring contract. There's been some rumors that he wants out of Indiana and that he wants to play for a championship-level team. And I think the Lakers could be a great fit there. I don't know if they have the pieces to get a deal done just because they have such limited assets. They have a first-round pick this year, I believe, 29th overall. That's not enough. They may be able to use that. I'm saying they might be able to use that as a piece in addition to a future first-round pick along with maybe someone like a Kyle Kuzma and Horton Tucker. Nobody's taking Kuzma, man. (laughs) <laughs> I'm just saying these are the kind of pieces that you would that you probably have to go after deals that can really elevate you to the next level. They're, a lot of their deals are probably going to have to be similar to this past offseason where it was like veterans taking small deals and just finding those guys who are underrated and like sitting like diamonds in the rough. So th- those kind of guys are how they're going to have to improve their roster. But even just having LeBron James and Anthony Davis is a terrific start. We do know that there's a couple of free agents that are going to be uh, available for free agency. And this isn't obviously the most star-studded free agency class, but I do think it's a little bit underrated. I think, you know, Chris Paul is a free agent. 
I mean, not a free agent that you could be traded, and that's going to be uh, a lot of speculation around that because there's. I think the Thunder are going to start rebuilding now, so they're definitely going to try to trade him. But Fred Van Fleet is a free agent. Gallinari is a free agent. Uh, Brandon Ingram is restricted free agent. I expect him to re-sign with the Pelicans. Evan Fournier has a player option. He's also a pretty good player. So I think there are some like low-key moves that some championship-level teams can make or teams that are think they're on the verge and they may sign somebody. DeMar DeRozan is a good op- option too. So what do you think about that? I think, you know, out of there are some, like you said, there are some decent names in here, but the most intriguing thing to me this offseason is where Chris Paul goes. Just because I think we, we talked about this on a previous episode, how like this, this was kind of a revenge tour for Chris Paul this past year. Everyone doubted him when he went to OKC, thinking they were just going to ship him off to Miami or something like that and attach picks just to get rid of his contract. But he went there and he, he became a leader and he really reestablished himself as one of the top point guards in the league. I, th- I think he was second team all NBA this year, which was so impressive to see. And obviously, he played his heart out in the playoffs. It wasn't enough to get past the Rockets, who have two terrific talents with James Harden and Russell Westbrook. But to see, I I think the main teams are, obviously, the Knicks are a name out there, but I don't really see that happening. I can't see the Knicks being that dumb. But I, I, I wouldn't the, put it past them. <laughs> I, I hope not. But the Clippers and, excuse me, not the Clippers, the Bucks and the Sixers are the two teams that make the most sense to me. Just because they're teams that, you know, I think they're a Chris Paul away from really competing for a championship. So I would love to see him go to one of those spots and just really step up the level of talent in the East. Have Ben Simmons take off some pressure as the primary ball handler. Um, you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo needs needs another guy. I don't know if Chris Paul is that guy to really take him to the next level, but having a Giannis... Middleton and CP3 big three would be really fun group to watch. I think they can make it make a serious finals run with that group. And that that's the most intriguing option to me. I don't know. What do you think about Chris Paul? I think he's a very good player and he can definitely make a huge impact on the championship winning team. I agree with you. I think the Bucks, in my opinion, would probably be the best option with the Sixers because, you know, he's just such a great player. Clutch, makes shots. He's something that the Sixers need, especially too. So, I would uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up on the Sixers or the Bucks. And also talking about the Bucks and the Sixers, the Sixers have a new head coach, Doc Rivers, and there's a couple of vacancies that are still in the league right now, like the Clippers' job, the Rockets, the Pacers, and the Pelicans. So, what do you think? Who's who's about who's going to fill these vacancies, and what's the best job in your opinion? So just based off what I've been reading the last couple of days on Twitter and social media in general, it seems like the Rockets job is Ty lose to lose. I think that he's the front runner there, even though Jeff Van Gundy is still in the mix with the, with the Clippers. It's such a toss up just because you, that group went, obviously they just completely shat the bed against the Nuggets. They look like they just didn't want to be there. And there's so much going on with Paul George. Like you said, there could be some rumors of him getting traded this offseason. Maybe to your Brooklyn Nets. Who knows? Um, Horrible. It's <laughs> way off P in Brooklyn. I'd love to see that. But that group, I really I really don't know. Maybe Jeff Van Gundy, if he loses out on the Rockets job, he ends up going there. Just because they need a win-now coach having Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and pieces like that. That's You, you can't go with a coach that's without experience, like a new a new guy, maybe a Sam Cassell, just because he's been there for a while and he's deserved a shot at a head coach job for a couple of years now. 
Um, reading with the Pacers, it seems like Kevin O'Connor of the Ringer reported today that Pelicans assistant Chris Finch is considered the favorite in, in that job. Uh, there's been some rumors that Becky Hammond is expected to get an, an interview. Uh, Miami Heat assistant Chris Quinn is also expected to get an interview. So I expect Finch to get the job. I think he deserves it. He did a great job with not only the Pelicans, but with the Nuggets as well. He was, I, I believe, their defensive coordinator there. Um, the Pelicans, we saw Stan Van Gundy is one of the four finalists for that job. I believe Ty Lue is also a name over there. He's a, Ty Lue is a finalist for all three jobs, but it seems like the Rockets are his. I don't think Ty Lue is going to take the Pelicans job. He's no. not a he's not no. a developer. He's not a so, coach. He needs good players. So to answer the second part of your question, I think the most enticing job is probably the Clippers, just because they're the most finals-ready team. Like rates can be for a championship when you have someone like Kawhi Leonard who's been there before. He's obviously has two Finals MVPs. The Rockets are very enticing, but there's just there's so much. I would I wouldn't say chaos, but so much mystery over there with how Harden and Westbrook gel and with all the small ball stuff. And you just don't know what's going to happen. There's been some rumors that Westbrook might get traded just because of the huge contract that he has. And Tillman Furtado is crying poor from COVID due to his catering business. It's I, I think I think the Clippers are definitely the most enticing job out of this group. I I think the Pelicans are a really interesting job. You have Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, presuming he stays. There's Lonzo Ball, who has still I think really has a lot of talent, and I think he's gonna have a good year next year. I I I, really, I think the Pelicans job is a really good job. Sam Van Gundy, I understand why he's a finalist. He took that young when Miami Heat team to like the Eastern Conference Finals, and they were all like a bunch of young players. So and he also took the um the Orlando Magic too. So I think that he's like viewed as a development coach. So I think that Sam Van Gundy is definitely a a good a good pick in my opinion. Yeah, I to- I totally agree with you. And before we hop off, I just wanted to get back to something you mentioned before, and I really talk about much the LeBron versus MJ debate. You know who's the goat. I think in that situation, you know LeBron, the fact that we're talking about him in that conversation is in of itself super impressive, but his story's not over. Like, you know, we talked about how he can probably be the best player in the league two or three years from now, and he can be winning a couple more championships. Like this is, you know, for me right now, I just look at it as MJ was the best of his era and LeBron is the best of his era. Like when LeBron's career is over and we can look at both full resumes of both Jordan and LeBron, then I think it's a fair conversation to have. But for right now, like, there's obviously people are just going to go back and forth just because that's always the hot topic with after LeBron won in 2016. It seems like that's always been a topic of conversation who the greatest ever is. And, I, you know, there's with with MJ, I love watching like play. All, I obviously didn't get to see him live, but watching all he was probably the greatest scorer ever. In, and not probably he is the greatest scorer ever. But just people always bring up the argument of how he retired for a couple of years and how he didn't really face Hakeem in the finals, who was probably going to be his greatest challenger, and that the best challenger he probably had was Magic back in the back in the early 90s, yeah, even though that was right before Magic got diagnosed with HIV and had to retire. So, th- like I said, the story's not over for LeBron. I think once we get to that point, we can start having that conversation. But I, I just think that it's amazing that, you know, LeBron's probably four or five years away from retiring and we're already talking about him in the conversation of greatest ever. I think that he, they're definitely going to win at least one more championship. 
definitely he's going to win one more in the next, what, five years? He's definitely winning one more. LeBron James, I mean. I, listen, I, t- I totally agree with you. It's, it's just it's how gifted he is, and I would love to see a finals between him and, and Kevin Durant next year when KD's not on the Warriors and not front-running on a 73-9 and team. I'd love to see that. And just him battle with Kyrie Irving and his old teammate. That would, that would be a really fun storyline to see that. Yeah, and, like, if you think about it, in the last, like, 10 or 11 years, you know, when LeBron James is healthy, your team has an 100% chance to make the finals. Always. In, 20, in 2015, he probably, they probably would have won that series if Kyrie and Kevin Love didn't get hurt. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. You know, if LeBron James is healthy, you have an, for, as how it's been going for the past 10 or 11 years, that your team has an 100% chance to make the finals, which is crazy. Nine out of the last 10 years. He's made the finals. Yeah, which is nuts. So, yeah, so that's going to be it. Thank you guys for listening to the Getting Bucket podcast. Subscribe to us on Twitter. Follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And we'll see you guys next time. Peace. Peace out.